This episode of the Carol Chronicles is brought to you by the No Apologies Podcast. Hosted by Daryl Taylor, No Apologies brings singular and roundtable discussions of pop culture to levels of hilarity few podcasts have been able to attain. You can download episodes at Comic Book Road Show at noapologies.wordpress.com or subscribe to the No Apologies Podcast via iTunes. The PKD Black Box presents The Carol Chronicles. Guess who's back? I'm back with a brand new edition of the Carol Chronicles. That's right, I know it's been a couple of months, but you know, I've been a little bit busy what with work and school and everything. Uh, I was taking classes this summer and towards the end of last semester, and free time equaled zero. Still going to have almost negative free time in the next few months, but due to the work schedule, thank God. The uh, guy at work was like, I'm getting a second job, and I need two days off during the week. And I looked at him, I was like, well, you do know that means that you're going to have to work every Saturday now. He's like, yeah, that's fine. And I was like, yes, I can have off every Saturday for football. And Sunday, yeah. Just to give you a heads up, I do work uh, uh, four on and three off schedule at my job. But I don't think you guys give a care. Just to let you know, every week to two weeks, I will be posting a new Carol Chronicles to Mr. Wonderful Pryor. Okay. But what do we want to talk about today? Well, first, let's go over what I did this past week. This past week, I was in Chicago. Went up there to see a friend that I hadn't seen in a while. Stayed the whole week. But guess what I did on Friday and Thursday night? That's right. I went to Wizard World Chicago. I've never been to a wizard show before, and my thoughts on it are going to come up in just a second. But one thing I heard repeatedly people talking about was that the con was way down and not as good as previous years, which I've heard people say the last few years of Wizard World Chicago it has gone downhill. A lot of that is due to C2E2, sucking up a lot of guests and everything, but also I think it's also a reflection on the economy. Uh, just going off the top, because there's also Baltimore coming up, there's San Diego just happened, New York's coming up. I mean, there's a lot of other things for people to do. That being said, I mean, uh, it was interesting for me, because, I mean, the only cons I've been to are either dirt cons, which are the ultra-small, like, almost your hotel con style, which can, which either if they're comic cons, it's going to be like a, the one at Cape Girardeau, which was not very much, maybe... 10, 15 artists, uh, maybe, maybe 10, 15 uh, exhibitors. And the also the only other one I've been to is Heroes Con, which is strictly about the comics. I mean, they've got a huge artist alley and a pretty big, well-laid-out, extremely well-laid-out, although small in comparison to Wizard World. Uh, the person with, oh, yeah, the dealers area. The dealer's area for Wizard World was jammed. A lot of booths, a lot of them selling the same shit, a lot of action figures, four t-shirt dealers, uh, and everything. But, I mean, it was it was pretty good, actually. The Artist Alley area was about maybe 150 artists, if that many, maybe 100 to 150 people in there. 
It was great. Uh, I talked to Mike Norton, who I've known for a while. Talked, uh, saw a couple of local people, Marthias Wade and Andrew Chandler. Talked to Art Balthazar, uh, who's great. If you ever, if you have kids, you've got to go see Art. I mean, uh, if you if you have a preview night, he usually does free sketches. Even on the regular times, he'll do a free sketch for you, just a quick um, layout with uh, Sharpie, and then he goes back over with crayons. It's cool to watch. Kids loving, it's great. Uh, talked to a bunch of people, got their books and everything. Uh, don't really have any reviews yet because I haven't read anything. That's going to come in two weeks, or maybe even as early as next week when I have a chance to go through them fully. The only things that I have read from there is going to be Scratch 9 from 8. They're at the front of the con. I got it as I left on Friday because all I went was Thursday, Friday. Because like I said, I was there with my uh, Thursday. I went by myself. Friday, I was there with my wife and kid. Jack's first ever con. He went bananas and bat shit. It was fine. Wife, wife liked it. She thought it was interesting. The only thing complaint she had was that a lot of the DC Vertigo people weren't there. It was all about. It was kind of hucksterism. She said something that I thought was interesting. She compared it really to a flea market style. She thought it had a lot in common with flea markets and stuff. Primarily because the conventions she's used to are going to be your big conventions that are like, uh, to give you an example, a friend of mine that travels around and does conventions for knife distributors and Tupperware and Mary Kay and Avon and also who does them for uh, what are they, uh, museums and such, and so they've got these big, huge displays and everything, and so they were, and I can understand her point on that, and his point as well, that this is completely different from that, and I pointed out to them, this con's not going to have that. C2E2, as I believe, had it, from what I'm told and what I've seen in pictures. New York has it. San Diego has it. That's really it. Uh, not being familiar with Dragon Con, or with, uh, oh crap, whatever the one down in Orlando is, in the first part in uh, March every year. I, somebody's going to say it and they're screaming at me right now, and I just can't remember it off the top of my head. I know it's not WonderCon, but, yeah. Uh, going back to my point about it, I will be one of the very first people to say Garrett Seamus is a dirty rotten son of a bitch and he should be he should receive all of the blame he gets for when he schedules cons opposite another major con that has either been there for a while i.e. what he did with Wizard World what he tried to do when he started up Wizard World Atlanta and then Wizard World Philly versus Heroes or when he moves it to dates to conflict aka what he attempted to do to New York uh, for this year, and also what he did with Wizard World, Anaheim, L.A., whatever the fuck it was, there was in competition with uh, C2E2, and also Denver Comic, Denver uh, Fan Fest. If you do that, Garib, you're a son of a bitch. If you can't hold it a week later, or maybe two weeks, I mean, really, there's only 20 major cons in a year, and they're within a certain amount of time. I mean, you can push them back a week. Yeah, you've got people that will bitch about travel. But let's be honest, a lot of these guys that you've got doing the circuit for your celebrities aren't going to care. 
In fact, they're not. They're coming for the cash and the artists. And they're not going to care either. I mean, a lot of the guys that do this stuff are not necessarily your hardcore working guys that are putting out books left and right. I mean, there are exceptions to, like, say, Wizard World from Mike Norton, who had to leave early and couldn't go out with us because he had work to do. I mean, he was putting out a book. And Art's art was the same way, but those are the exceptions at most of your wizard, at most of your cons. I mean, most of the guys that are working are working, and they're there at the DC booth, or they're at the Marvel booth, or the et cetera, et cetera. And they will try, and they usually do a small number of cons. The guys who go around the con to con is a very, who make their living off of it, very small number. So you've got that. Now that I've blasted Garrett, I want to blast people who criticize him for one thing. This is the only thing that I'm going to say that he does well. His cons now, they're not, I mean, we'll be honest, they're not Comic Cons. It's the old Chicago Comic Con and then Wizard World Chicago and all the other Wizard World branded names because they're not, I mean, they comics are a huge part of it, overwhelming part. But with let the sheer fact is, they need another draw other than comics. You cannot exist and survive on just comics fans. You've got to have another draw, and the way to bring that in is with your video games. And they had a bit. They had a small area for. They had a decent sized area for video games. It was made. Yeah, I, people complained that last year it was about twice as big. In Italy, you can blame the economy, you can blame C2E2, you can blame natural attrition, lack of money, etc., etc. You can also blame the fact that, you know, uh, we did just have San Diego just a few weeks ago. But Garib's focus on getting them in, I think, is very, very smart. I mean, the cons aren't that much. 50 bucks for a weekend, for a full weekend con, that's nothing. I mean, the Dragon Con's fucking raping people for a hundred, hundred for $100 for a four-day pass. And it's an anime. It's an anime con with a little bit of with a little bit of comics. It's not a entertainment con with some with comics. There's a difference. Well, let's just be point blank. It's there's the difference. The other thing is he why he why I'm not going to blast him is that part of that doing the video game culture, he also has a shit ton of celebrities. Okay. Former celebrities. You had people like George Takei, when he wasn't there, was it? Walter Koenig, John Delancey, who has successfully fought off the urge to want to punch in the ball sack because, I'm sorry, John, you run down uh, sci fi fans, you run down the fact that you can't get a job really in TV or anything in America, and you can't, and let's be honest, your thespian skills are not what they should be. Uh, and you have to do the circuit to make money. Uh, go fuck yourself, John Delancey. And you also have David Brooks, but also you have the wrestlers like Kevin Nash, Diamond Dallas Page, um, so on and so forth. And you also have your former celebrities like Angie Everhart, Lorenzo Lamas, Linda Hamilton, Richard Roundtree, uh, Michael Bain, Claudia Christian, so on and so forth, and on and on and on. 
And to point out some, and I didn't realize this, but it was pointed out by Sal Abinetti on uh, a recent Comedy Geek Speak episode, episode 19. A lot of these guys stopped being paid a, a flat rate by the cons a few years ago because that way, this way they can make more money under the table with their people and stuff. Um, instead of being paid, say, 25000 cash, 25 k plus accommodations plus hotel by, say, Wizard, somebody like Shatner comes in, 1,000 tickets, 70 bucks a pop, he signs 1,000 signatures, he's made 70 grand cash under the table, not reported, clear and free as day, and that's his to keep, plus he still had all the other stuff. So he actually makes some more money. For people like Green's Alamas and such, yeah, they have a, there's a star tours thing that you basically go up to, you pay, you go up, you get your picture taken, blah, blah, blah. 40, 50 bucks. They get a hundred, think about it. You get a, you do a thousand of those over, you do a couple of, okay, you do 500 of those in a four, in a three day weekend. Bam, you just made yourself a ton, you just made yourself 20 grand. Minimum. Minimum. And so a lot, that's what a lot of these guys are doing now. So that's, and what does that do? That does bring in people. Let's let's be completely honest. And that does bring in some people. And the reason why I think that is good is you get those people in the door to go to the Lamas, not going to Lamas or Claudia Christian or somebody like that, and you, or you get them in to put to look at the video games and everything. And you know what? You've got all those comic stores right there where people can go, oh, there's a comic store in my area. Oh, these things are cool. I remember these games. I remember these toys, it, or they'll go over and they'll wander around when they keep playing the games, and they'll go to the Artist Alley section, and they may, and they may, may buy something. It's not guaranteed by any stretch. In fact, I doubt it in many cases are they going to buy the comics and books, but they'll buy toys, they'll buy t-shirts, and also it lets people know that what is out there in the books and the comics and everything, and yeah, it's the Marvel blowouts of the, in the trades, or, go, or so on, but Let's be honest, people. Our industry's dying. Books are book sell. I mean, the book sales are falling left and right. Talk to John Mayo; he'll tell you. Look at uh, the ICV numbers. Look at everybody's numbers. Books five years ago that dropped below twenty grand were going, were probably going to be canceled almost immediately by DC and Marvel. Books now are debuting in that range and lasting twelve and lasting for a year or maybe a little longer. But overall, our industry is not growing, and in part is our intellectual dishonesty and hatred of wizards that is, I think is causing part of that. Our elitism of saying, oh, that's a wizard con. Oh, no, I'm going to run down. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to do anything about it. I just, no. Fuck wizard. You know what? Fuck you. Build our fucking industry. Build our damn fandom. It's go if we don't, it'll go away. And it won't exist. I mean, how many times have I heard have you heard people that have talked about it going, oh, three dollars, four dollars for a twenty-two page book? Oh, I can for that same price I can uh it's ten minutes of enjoyment or thirty dollars for a trade or twenty dollars for a trade. I can go watch it. You can buy two video game. You can buy a video game for the same price as two trades, and you'll get more enjoyment out of it. So really, you know, fuck you. 
anything that can build this industry, that can build our fandom, get people back in, get new people in, I'm all for. I am all 100% completely for. And so should you be. And that being said, another way that we can get kid, get people in is going to be coming out in the next, as one has come out a couple of months ago, and the rest will be coming out in the next two to six months, is expanded uh, tablets. Blackberry's putting one out. Android has a shit ton coming out. HP, for some strange reason, says they're going to put out one based on the WebOS for the uh, Compom. And a lot of these are going to have comic viewers. I mean, there's Android Comic Viewer for Android. You've got uh, Comicology's built, I believe, and I've talked to them. They're building an app, I, from what I've heard, for Android and everything. And so you're going to have tablets out there. And, what are, and as everybody's talked about with the DC and Marvel apps for, for the iPad, it's get, these are not really aimed at us as much as they are aimed at older people, that, the casual user, the, the person who is like, eh, I'll spend a buck or two. Yeah. I'll spend two bucks on a comic to read on my, on my iPhone. Or, I mean, on my tablet. And yeah. That's great. And I, and I love that. I mean, the 7-inch screen size is the perfect size for a comic. The 5-inch, like the Dell Streak, no. I mean, I have a HTC Evo, all disclosure, I work for Sprint. Um, and really, even that 4.3-inch screen isn't right for comics. Yes, you can go panel by panel. Cool. It's still not ideal. You need that 7- to 9-inch screen that you're going to have on the iPad's light when it comes out, the full-size iPad, your various Arcos tablets, whatever Samsung puts out, and these other ones I've mentioned. That is the perfect size for comics. Now, the best thing that will happen with that is when... DC realizes in Marvel and then the various image groups and also Dark Horse decide, you know, let's put out our, say, our omnibuses or our archive editions in a digital-only format. That'll be great. There'll be people will buy them left and right, especially if they sell them at a 50% discount over what you pay now, or more. Because let's be on. Let's think about it. You've got Omnibus. I just, I've got about 10 Omnibuses sitting on my shelf. I've got the Witchblade 2. I've got uh, our complete editions, or whatever the big, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about, the 25 to 50 comics in a slab, but in color. Or, or even looking at the Essentials, or... The, uh, uh, well, whatever the hell DCs are, uh, and you got the essentials, and you've got, oh, hell, oh, I keep forgetting, I can't remember what the other one's called. But still, your big ones, you sell them 15 bucks. 50 comics, 15 bucks. You don't even have to be the ones you've already got out there. I mean, take, uh, our buddy, the CGS Shane Kelly. I mean, I mean, he's already got the the Bwahaha Justice League. He's got that like about four or five different ways. But I guarantee you, once he gets an iPad, if he would give, and he said this, he would give up every one of those pretty much that he's got, except for maybe one of them, 
if he could get a way to buy all of them for, say, 50 bucks, 60 bucks. It's going to happen. It's just going to be a few years. I mean, it's not going to cost the uh, <clears throat> the uh, makers of these comics that much. I mean, yeah, it's going to cost... Uh, I mean, you're going to have to pay a couple of interns for about a year to go in and digitally scan all the old artwork because pretty a lot of the stuff pre-95, I want to say, is that you may have that you've never put out in editions. You're going to have to put in. You're going to have to rescan, recolor, re-put out. Because, I mean, it's some of that stuff, yeah. And that's where, if you've never put it out in a collective edition in the last 10 years, 10, 12 years, then, yeah, you're going to have to scan it and do it because, yeah. But, I mean, think about all those old comics we would get all of a sudden. And you could get massive amounts of it. I would get rid of my comic collection. I mean, your back issue, Mark, your back issue probably would just disappear. And it'd be limited to maybe a couple of stores in a city, one or two. I mean, the market would just fall out if they did that. But you know what? DC and Marvel, the reason that DC held off for a long time on putting out its app, and they said it was because they wanted to keep comic stores happy. Yeah, I understand that. They want to keep them happy. And that's why they had to do some of the data and release of everything. But you know what? How many stores now exist on make money off their back issues? Very few. So, you know, stay the hell with it. Comic stores are going to be... You're going to be fucked by them if you try and kowtow to them right now. Go ahead, do your digital distribution. Go ahead and say, you know what? We've got this block of... The, you want to look at this stuff? Okay. Pay 20 bucks. You get 50 issues. But we've also got this collective edition that's, say, 1 through, tw 1 through 12. Using them. Say you buy the first 50 issues of the, uh, Morrison JLA. And I, yes, I know he did not do all of them, so shut the hell up. I know you're out there. Let's say you want the first 50 issues. Okay. You bought the, you bought the 50 issues digitally. You paid 20 bucks or 25, 50 cents an issue. Let's go with that. 50 cents an issue, 50. And, but with that, DC says, okay, you just did that. We are partnering with, let's go with Amazon. You go you, at the same time. You can go and get the same. You can get an extra five dollar off coupon at Amazon for the collective edition, or ten dollars off in store at Barnes and Noble, or, or five dollars off in store at Barnes and Noble. I mean, how many of us get those damn Borders coupons every week? I get at least two of them a week um, for thirty percent off. Say, so, okay, you get an extra thirty. You get an extra coupon. Five dollars off on top of whatever your membership discount is. Off one of the uh, absolute, off one of the absolutes. Okay, cool. You know what that does? I guess you. Oh, cool! I got an extra five dollars off this uh, twenty-five off this thirty-dollar hardcover. Ah, oh, cool. Wait, I still got to pay thirty dollars for the other four to make up the same amount. But you don't think about that. You say, oh, cool! I got all this. Think about it. Think about it. It'd be a good idea. That's how they're going to actually. If they do something like that, 
yeah, they should partner with somebody else and say, look, you get an extra five bucks off coupon with Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It can't be, it's going to have to be a generic, it's going to have to be a specific coupon. You can't have a generic coupon. Do that, bam, you just sold a lot. Now, what we've just been talking about is how they can sell stuff digitally. You got to have, you got to make sure that your people put out those apps. You got to have a partnership with Comicsology, or uh, if you go with Apple, you got to have one with Apple. You got to have one with Longbox. But you get them to give you a coupon discount on some other stuff, and you've got to have those apps for your tablets and everything. Because uh, netbooks are going to be there, and those are great. But as somebody who's played around with netbooks and tablets and everything, I love my laptop, and I would never get rid of it. But you put on an Android tablet, or I had an iPad that could do a lot of stuff, yeah, I would I would still use my laptop for money. It would not replace my laptop. It would supplement my laptop. It would not, it, and the big reason area it would supp- it would replace for me is actually book reading. I read a lot of books. I read in an average week about 15 comics, 10 to 15 comics, one to two trades, and one to two quote unquote real books. Yeah, I know. I read a lot, and so and that's in addition to school and everything. And the best way to get those is going to be get your nice seven to nine inch tablet. I've read on three inch screens that we're using that Amazon Kindle app. Sucks your eyes hurt because the text is so small and you have to blow up the screen. When you get to four inch screen, a four point three inch screen, oh god, they look when you're reading books so much better. I think that's why stuff like the Nook and is that's got a five inch screen. That's perfect too. Five five inches is really the where you want to be for a book. But we're talking about comic books. Not comic books. And that's where you want the nine inch screen. Seven inch you could get away with, but nine inch is the sweet spot. Yeah, going back to books. I'm gonna bring it back to books and then I'm gonna sign off. For the most part, as comics fans, we're also sci-fi fans. We're all going to do that. How many times have you gone into a used bookstore and you said, oh, cool, there's a book I haven't seen in years because it's out of print, and I'm missing the, or I'm missing this one when I go to Barnes & Noble, and I go and I look for it online, and I can find it. I can find a used copy of it if I'm lucky for maybe two, three, for about three bucks plus four dollars shipping. And, and bam, and that, that's how I have to buy it. If I'm looking for like this one out of print, and I, just to give an example, I just bought uh, a t- uh, the entire Hunter Harrington series. It ended up costing me with everything, cost me just under a hundred dollars, but I got the entire Honor Harrington all twelve books. I'll tell you this: if they had had those available digitally, every one of them, for the same price. I would have considered buying them if they had had them for, say, half the price. I definitely would have bought them. And that's where your book market has got to decide we need to come up with a way to get paperbacks and cheap cheap books into people's hands. 
This past week was the thirtieth. Uh, it was like the I think it was the seventieth, seventy-fifth anniversary of Penguin. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who know what Penguin is, you know exactly who what they are. For those of you who don't, <coughs> quick thirty-second synopsis of Penguin company who decided to put out, start putting out paperbacks. I mean, before they came out in 1935, all your books were hardbacks. Pure, I mean, that's what they were. I mean, they, but they decided, you know what, we need to get people to read, and we need to get them cheap. So they started putting out a ton of books out in paperback. And that's how you, and you, we see the results today. Hardbacks still drive the industry, but your paperback book is the go-to for a lot of people. Because because the margins are so small on them, they don't make anything on them. But I mean, when you make a ten cents to a, you make ten cents on them, and you sell a million of them, you just made a hundred grand. As opposed to a hardback, you make five bucks on them, you get you sell two hundred grand, or three hundred grand, you just made one point five. There you go. That's why they like hardbacks. Is hard. I mean, you got your classic double dip in here. Uh-huh, double, when those hardbacks come out, and then they wait forever to put them out in trade. I mean, in paperback. Yeah, I know that was a minute. Shut up, all of you. But, uh, what I was saying, think about it. Uh, I just bought three books digitally from my phone, from Amazon. One was the exact, it was $8, and, uh, it was originally, it was a, it was a slightly oversized, uh, Trade, no, it's not sale, so I take it back. It's just a regular paperback. Eight bucks. It's what I paid for it digitally. Would have cost me eight bucks if I bought it off the shelf. Bought it digitally because I really didn't, because I didn't want to have to pay taxes. Because it would have been like a dollar extra for tax, been like almost a dollar for taxes because of sales tax. And I didn't want to have to worry about that. Plus, I didn't really, I just wanted to start reading it then, so I was like, yeah, I'm not going to order it. I could order it and use my Amazon Prime and get it here in two days, and that's a so bucket of money bought. That's wrong. No. If you buy something digitally, a paperback, cut the price for about, cut the price in half. Yeah. What do you care? Right? It's like you're not paying for the printing, you're not paying for it to be shipped, you've got it there digitally, and it's a brand new book. Anything in the last 10 years, is already in digital format. Really, anything in the last 15 years that's been created is in the digital format. Because it was sent in by sent in through Word or WordPerfect or what have you. So you I mean you've already got it digitally, so don't give me any bullshit about, oh, we've got to pay somebody to scan it in. No. You gotta you had probably at one point had to pay people to scan in that Ben Bova shit from the seventies or the Jerry Pornell or Niven crap that you've taken out of print and not gonna put out again. That you don't want to have to hunt down the original plates for and everything, but you know what? Today, if if you reissue something, that shit's been scanned in. But think about all the great sci-fi art authors of the seventies and sixties, fifties, forties, and thirties. Their shit's out of print. You're never going to see it. Look at Harlan El. Take Harlan Ellison. Are you ever going to find any of his uh, recent? Book? Are you going to find say? Any of his, a lot of his stuff, no, because it's out of print. A lot of those Star Trek novels from the uh, 70s and 80s, or early 80s, are out of print, and you can't find them. Uh, yeah. So, or 
Think, think about it. I mean, if you could get them to scan them in, and they sell them for three bucks, four bucks instead of eight, ten, you don't know you would buy them. You know as well as I did. And that would increase the uh, acceptance of the ebook reader. And I know you're, I know the ad, I know assholes. The uh, wonderful people that are the book distributors want to get more money out of it. Completely agree. They want better rates, and that's why they've signed up with iBook, uh, with Apple, and also with Amazon, so they can get greater profit margins. But you know what? Those profit margins are on new books. What about your old books? You put it out there, you let it be known available, people will buy them. It'll increase acceptance of your ebook readers, it'll increase iPad buys, it'll increase Nook buys, it'll increase tablet buys. And you know what those would buy? What? People, you got a uh, tablet runs 12 hours, 14 hours. You go on the car ride, you go on a plane ride, you know what? You know what you want? You want something to read. Bam. You download it, you go. Because, I mean, that's what a lot of... I mean, why do you think they got, what do you think they got those uh, books in the uh, airport for? People buy those all the time. Now, those people get fucked. But they're the only people that will be hurt. But they'll be hurt. But, but people will make a ton of money. I mean, that's going to be printing money. But they don't have to pay for it. I mean, yeah, you pay somebody to scan it in, but after... A little bit, you, you start selling tons of them, and you know what happens if all of a sudden you decide people start buying all of them? Hell, you turn around and maybe uh, re-release it. You do a best of. Yeah. Can't argue with that, can you? I mean, I know there's about 15, 20 books that I read when I was a kid. 15, 20, 30 books I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, um, I don't know if any of y'all ever read it, but one of the most salacious uh, apocalyptic books I ever read. It was pure military just uh, military porn was the Wingman series by Matt Maloney or the Seventh Carrier series which is virtually the same thing. You can't find those you can't find those paperbacks for anything decent. But you know what? Hell yeah, if I could find those digitally for three bucks, four bucks a pop, I'd buy them, buy them, I stand more of them, because, yeah. I know, and a lot of y'all have those like that, too. So, think about it. We need to start writing and demanding of our uh, paper, of our printing, of our book companies and of our comic companies, you know? Put this old stuff out. People will buy it. People will like it. People will use it. <laughs> People will accept it. Yeah, we lost a ton of people in the comics industry to the image, imagization, and the uh, what was it, and the, the speculator wars. I mean, sorry, the speculator bust and the distributor wars, and also just people getting older. But if you give people a reason to come back to comics with a low price point and a low, not even not I'm not even argue about quality, but if you give them something some for nostalgia, to go back and get those older books. Yeah, as a, as a company, you're going to make some extra money. You're going to get, it's extra revenue. Extra revenue. And that's what it's about. You're getting extra money in. Cool. So, uh, if you have any questions about anything today, direct them to, uh, nah, hell, I don't care who the fuck you get them to send them to. Send them to Jack's Dad, 1296, J-A-C-K-S, 
dad1296 at gmail.com. You can follow me at at John, J-O-N underscore Carol, C-A-R-R-O-L-L. That's at J-O-N underscore C-A-R-R-O-L-L on the Twitter. If you want to, uh, you can friend me on Facebook. Um, John Carroll, I'm the one, or Jonathan Carroll, I'm the one in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, there's a, my picture is me holding up a glass of, uh, I don't know what the hell, uh, rum and coke. There's a glass of rum and coke at this past year's wonderful, wonderful. And I do mean that truly because I enjoyed every minute I was there, except for the most puking up because of the hangover. Uh, CGS Super Show 2010. Um, I will be back in two weeks, and by that time I should have my website back up, and I will be blogging at least twice a week. If you have any questions, like I said, email me, ask me on Twitter, ask me on Facebook. Have a wonderful day.